We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Joined today, as always, by Sean Siegel, one of the, the best in the business when it comes to fantasy football information, fantasy football writing. We'll be talking through some of his work up on the Rotoviz website uh, on today's show. We're going to be looking a little bit more at rookies. Uh, we looked uh, free agency-wise um, at the, the start of the week's show, uh, talked through some of those free agents moves. We will talk a little bit about that later on in the show, specifically with uh, Austin Hooper and how things shake out then with his move. We're also going to talk about uh, a little bit of a, a preview into the Dynasty Command Center rookie guide uh, and some of the Superflex tight end premium kind of bar- bargains over some recent mocks that were done. So, Sean, there's a lot to cover on today's show. Uh, ready to dive into the, the, the kind of previews I put out of the, the rookie guide that's coming out here shortly? Yeah, we're in the, the perfect window here for fantasy football with NFL free agency and continued draft excitement. So, with the Volume two of the DCC Rookie Guide coming out. We're going to look at a few of the mock drafts and the potential players you might be looking at, uh, not just in classic formats, but also super flex and tight end premium and diving into some of those key second, third, fourth round picks. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's always, um, you know, I guess we'll we'll give a plug here for the website where we're starting off. You can always get that 10% loyal podcast listener discount at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Gives you all access to everything up on the site, all the tools, all the amazing content, uh, and gets you 10% off as well. So uh, a really good offer that, once again, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sean, before we get into the rookie guide part of things, uh, I'm going to you know take a moment here. Dave has done 
uh, Dave Cabin, that is, has done some very interesting work in terms of the, the breakaway rush scores. They did discuss it a little bit on the, the Road of His flagship show with him and Matt Friedman uh, this week. Um, obviously, it's something that's it's, it's quite interesting. Um, do you want to fill the listeners in who maybe didn't hear their show a little bit on it? Yeah, so Dave has done a lot of cool running back research he had the speed scores out the other day he has the combine explorer put together for you up on the site so you can go you can look number one at where the players ranked in the combine what their actual numbers were how those fit into the different percentiles and then you get the top 20 athletic comps which is really cool to see there are some names that come out there that are surprising sometimes you can see that the names that are actually being attached to out in the media uh, are not actually particularly close and so that's a, a good activity to go through but one of the ones we wanted to talk about today were the breakaway rush scores this is something that we've written about on the website for many years and i'm a big fan of because i think that if you are looking for a guy who is going to translate to the nfl you want someone who can create big plays in college they need to be better than those college athletes they're going against and one of the cool things that dave found in his research here is that you do have a predictive element for this actually one that's a little bit stronger than for the running back speed scores and what he's really doing is he's looking at the 20 plus and the 40 plus carries and giving us the sense of which guys come out toward the top there. No surprise, the guy that we're talking about on the show all the time is number one and number one by a wide margin, and that's Jonathan Taylor. I don't think that that, that comes as a surprise really to anybody. And it's almost a situation, I think, where Taylor may lose a little bit because he breaks through and he breaks such big runs and once he gets out there and he's clear then uh, critics are saying well he doesn't have anybody to beat anymore where are all these broken tackles where are all the fancy moves at the second level and it's purely a matter we saw with the combine with his 439.40 at that size 226 pounds that in fact he's just running away from the defense and so again i think this is another a little piece of of evidence and dave you know encourages us not to to overvalue uh these insights but just another piece of evidence suggesting that he really is the star in this group now with that being the case there are some sleepers here and i was wondering if you had any favorites from the next group of guys the the one thing i just wanted to mention first is in terms of jonathan taylor you know everything seems to be just everything we look at he's in the lead he's the number one he's he's rolling away with it is is there something that we could be missing sean that it just really doesn't work out it's just like it's like it just looks so positive from everything we kind of check into well certainly uh, you know every player is just one play away not only from a career ending injury which you certainly are desperately hoping for those players sakes that they're not going to to suffer but even more minor injuries uh dave was also listing the historical numbers for guys in the breakaway rush category and the number one player was bryce love and so maybe that's not someone that you're expecting to go to the nfl and average 300 carries but he's a player that who would have been a star would have been that austin eckler maybe austin eckler plus and now his career really up in the air certainly i think he's a great sleeper for this season someone i have on virtually every team and on the ones i don't trying to add him for peanuts because he costs you basically nothing but 
in terms of that not working out, I think the number one thing would simply be any type of injury, even a minor injury, changes who a running back is. And this is certainly a position where you need that standout athleticism. The second thing would just be that if you go to a team that wants to use you the way Jeff Fisher used Todd Gurley at the beginning of his career, then that's certainly also going to knock you down for fantasy. Yeah, and you, you asked for somebody you know somebody who would be interested in, in this level the the one that i'd be kind of more concerned about obviously that has a very high score in this is aj dillon i think that he's somebody who you know in terms of probably a kind of a day two selection possibly but um you know in terms of his profile kind of profiles a little bit like in terms of the the size and the weight and that a little bit like uh, derrick henry um and the the one thing however concern is basically just not nothing to do with his uh, measurables or what he has done so far um what i would be concerned about is the amount of usage that he got at the college level so i think he could be somebody who who come in and based on people you know seeing how derrick henry has done this past year um the concern would be though that he has a two uh 300 attempt seasons over the last kind of uh, two years in 2017 and 2019 so there'll be concern there in terms of how his body holds up then when he gets to the nfl but he he comes in at number three on this list um you know and he, that would be more so that i would be concerned about him and some people might be very positive on it what's your thoughts on aj dylan uh, does the college work scare you and do you think that he could project to be an nfl back the college work doesn't bother me one of the things that we see uh, with the different predictive metrics is that carrying the ball a lot uh, does have a value for you when you're looking at running backs and this is something i go back to pat kareen's uh, research obviously uh, a former rotoviz radio star and talking about how running backs gain that trade value within the first year and then lose it very very rapidly uh, much more so than wide receivers so i think for any running back what you're really looking to benefit from and where you can expect them to be stars if they're going to be stars will be within that first couple of seasons i think he has that potential to break out and do that one of the things with dylan is that he had the big carry numbers and he had the big yardage numbers he's got the size he's got the athleticism and so then the question is you know how was he actually on the field and you can look at his yards per carry numbers and say well that's not in the six in the seven range like some of these other stars you know shouldn't he be destroying the competition the problem obviously is just you know what's the caliber of your own offense what's the caliber of your own offensive line i like to see him here in third place because this again reinforces what you'll see in his highlights which is that for a big guy he can create those derrick henry like long runs and so certainly He's someone I've been trading for uh, in leagues that have already drafted look rookies or in Debbie situations. Certainly, I'll be interested to see where he goes in the NFL draft because if he stays in that second round or even falls back into the third round, which any sort of bad landing spot I think would push him back into the third, then uh, he's a draft everywhere kind of guy. The person that Dave brings up, and they talked about a little bit on their show, uh, someone who maybe slipped a little bit. Uh, maybe not in terms of rankings, but in terms of buzz after the combine. It was a quieter combine for him. Uh, but Keyshawn Vaughn, an interesting guy there. He comes in the middle of the pack for us in our running back prospect lab scores, but someone whom Blair Andrews has mentioned in that DCC rookie guide as having a very balanced profile and numbers that suggest that he could transition very well to the NFL. With currently no NBA, NHL or college basketball, you might think there is nothing to bet on. 
Well, you'd be wrong. BetOnline.ag still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's a mix of martial arts, esports, and much, much more, all available on the website. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet an American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE if you're ready to receive a 50% sign-up bonus on your first deposit once again that code is blue wire bet online your new ticket to online action so sean as we move forward we're going to look a little bit here at the the recent piece you've up on the site in terms of the the, the kind of mocks in terms of the draft you mentioned at the start of the show the three different formats that were done and i guess we'll give a, a plug here when we're, when we're at it for the 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 command center guide um for what's coming out um in the, the very near future uh sean why should the we've done this before but why should the listeners uh, get the guide and where can they pre-order the guide well you get the guide directly off of the site there uh it will be out by the time this show is on the air unless there uh, is some uh problem in the very final production which we don't anticipate all of the mocks are in all the rankings are in all the articles are in you'll get new information from me on some of the production numbers and just how drastic the splits are between uh, receivers at some different levels you'll get more running back news from blair you're going to get some more uh, trade targets you know trading in and out with your reality players from tj and then travis is going to help those idp guys out with some cool rankings info there so certainly idp one of those things uh, that has never quite caught on to, sort of to the level of a super flex or something like that but for people who love fantasy uh maybe the most fun format it gives you uh 18 starters, 20 starters, depending on how you do it. Uh, Ross Miles runs the Iron Throne League that I've been in now for seven years, and it's just a blast having those deep IDP lineups. We'll have some great information for you there. One of the things that I really love, though, are these mock drafts, seeing where people go in different formats, shuffling the draft order among our 12 uh, sort of rookie and draft gurus and see where they pick when they're in different spots. So you get three different four round mock drafts uh, with 12 of the best uh, dynasty Debbie rookie guys uh, writing for the site. Uh, some of my favorite writers in that group and looking at a, a little bit here, if we jump down to the second round of the classic draft, my options were Brandon Ayuk, KJ Hamler, Zach Moss, Eno Benjamin and Hunter Bryant. I really think that i mean you look at this draft we lost a little bit of the top end guys some surprise people staying in school i think the bottom of that first round is a little overvalued but then once we get into the second round even deep into the second round at least at this point before we have a handful of guys who go on day three uh, sort of as a surprise and lose most of their value as a result right now the second half of the second round is very exciting i was wondering which player you would draft in that range so in the second half the second we we kind of talked about him quite a bit last week if you're getting into that kind of range when you're you know two let's say 206 onwards to the, the end of that round if, if you have an option to get brandon Ayuk, i thought that you know we had a good discussion last week for the listeners who mightn't have heard that one go back and go back and check that out i think it was the second podcast last week but but i think that he is somebody if you can get that in range is is going to be somebody who could um have, have tremendous value going forward you mentioned as well just earlier in the show but 
having those players who can gain value in that first year i think he's somebody who could come in uh, if you draft him in that range he could immediately have a return on value so if you did want to either keep him on your roster or move him on as we get into 2021 in that draft class i think he's somebody in there who's who's very interesting to me um mainly for the rather than to reiterate for the reasons we talked about last week on the show but I think he's very interesting. There's a couple of other options that you mentioned in it. Um, KJ Hamler, Zach Moss, uh, Benjamin's in there as well, and Hunter Bryant. Is there any of them that you would be preferring to take over Ayuk, or is there one of those that, say, Ayuk was gone that you would rather uh, get in that range? Well, that is who I went with, but I do think there are some very <laughs> intriguing possibilities here in that uh, even Benjamin, a guy really lacking in buzz at the moment very similar profile when you go in and you look at his comps to someone uh, like the LSU standout back but going a full round later and I think potentially having more upside when you don't see him as as much a product of the offense one of the cool things uh, from Dave's article is showing that uh, the LSU back there went toward the bottom in creating the big plays now obviously he had a lot of receptions he had the huge yardage totals part of making that uh, championship offense work but perhaps not being the driver of it benjamin here for arizona state you have a guy who is more of the driver of the offense and after the four five seven forty at only five nine two hundred and seven pounds there is this potential for a real draft slide but we do want to keep in mind there were some things to balance that out, right? He had a 39-inch vertical, a 122-inch uh, broad. He had a three-cone below seven seconds. And the number one athletic comp uh, of anyone at the Combine in recent history is an Aaron Jones. And certainly that doesn't mean that he's going to be Aaron Jones. But when we're looking at what he can do athletically and what we should you know how we should take his athletic profile within the context of his stats which frankly were fantastic and certainly especially in 2018 one of the very best running backs in the entire country this is a guy i think could emerge like jones if he gets into that right situation and could really be a league winner that doesn't cost you very much at all yeah and something else that you don't obviously this is we're looking the first set of picks that we're looking at are based on standard uh kind of ppr scoring um and the third round you went with justin herbert um obviously the, the could be potentially a first round quarterback uh, likely first round quarterback in, in this class uh when you look at it you, your note is that you like to, to stockpile uh those kind of first round reality quarterbacks when you get to that stage off the draft obviously in single quarterback leagues people might not go with the same strategy but there isn't many positions that gain value in fantasy as much as those quarterbacks who in the reality world are taken at a certain point and then people kind of think that they're they're not that good in terms of like a daniel jones perhaps uh, last year but the, the one that always comes to mind for me um is, is the situation with josh allen who you know obviously not not ever going to be the best quarterback in the world but in terms of fantasy is is quite productive um is that a strategy you've had sean for a, a long time in terms of if you get to that third round we're looking at players in that third round who potentially aren't going to really ever hit in any sort of form in any format in the nfl so taking that quarterback who as we can hit on a few times here can gain you that value uh, and then you could possibly look to move them on then uh, pretty quickly for for a profit um is that something that's been a long time strategy for you it, it obviously makes a lot of sense 
I like to do it because it allows you to get something of real value for your third round pick. You mentioned that most of the other players at that level are, are going to wash out. You know, we tend to latch onto the guys that we personally picked like an Aaron Jones late and think, well, I'll just draft my Aaron Jones every year. Certainly, if you have someone you believe in at that level, uh, go ahead and take them. However, if you're not sold on someone or if someone in your draft is essentially giving away their third round pick, which you'll see all the time, and for good reason, because the third round picks are not worth very much. At the same time, if you can stockpile those quarterbacks, and those two guys you mentioned were perfect examples. They're guys that I've used the strategy on recently. And I think that probably all of us have some examples, even in one quarterback leagues, where our starter got hurt, or maybe both of our guys got hurt. That definitely happened to me last year in a league where I was otherwise a threat to win the title. And then you're forced to make a move where you have to pay a lot because the other players in that league know that you have to start someone you know those quarterback points uh, even if they seem freely available they're a lot for every week and so you end up having to overpay during the season whereas if you add these guys here you don't have to pay nearly as much and you can get that deep group of quarterbacks uh, in dynasty without waivers any sort of deep dynasty league all the quarterbacks are going to end up at some point being owned and so there's more value to them there as well than in 14 or 15 or 16 roster spot leagues where most of the bottom end guys end up staying on waivers. So if you end up with four or five quarterback starters, that's not something where you're intentionally going out to try and corner the market and then, uh, you know, create an unfair trade with someone else later, but it does give you more leverage in these quarterback trades. If someone else is trying to get one, perhaps you can do a two for one. You can do a two for two where one of the pieces that you're trading away is a quarterback and that's not going to hurt you very much. Whereas the other player in that two for two may be a big deal coming back in your direction. No, I I agree a huge amount on that. And uh, one of my favorite picks across the board and super flex leagues over the last few years has turned out to be uh, Josh Allen, as I mentioned, because it just you know was almost a discarded pick by a lot of people kept falling kept falling kept falling has turned out to be quite valuable now it's interesting then and when you talk about the super flex format obviously the quarterbacks are going to go much earlier so it would be a case where herbert then is likely to be going in that uh kind of first round range uh you had the option in the the article at the 110 in terms of him justin jefferson t higgins henry ruggs uh and chanel who have talked about a few times on the the show uh you mentioned there you know it's hard to go wrong stockpiling quarterbacks i again would agree because the value basically the point you've made up is just amplified uh, when you get into super flex so then that quarterback that is a third round quarterback in standards can be a first round quarterback in super flex um would you have temptation to pick one of those other guys over the quarterback in herbert um, or was that a, a pretty would that be a pretty straightforward call for you in that situation this is a pretty easy pick. I do think that uh, one of the ways in which Superflex mocks can be a little bit different than actual Superflex drafts is that I mean, you're operating with this idea of not necessarily knowing what the rest of your roster looks like. And certainly the need for someone you know, like the quarterback there can really rise or fall uh, based on your particular roster. You might want one of these stud wide receivers, another position that tends to hold its value okay but even then even if you have a couple of quarterbacks the trade value of the quarterbacks and superflex is so significant that going with a potential top 10 pick at the quarterback position uh, with the 10th pick here i think is is certainly a value way to go and a safe way to go at the same time also giving you that real breakout upside 
if he were to land in the right situation. Certainly, uh, there are some teams that uh, we're looking at as ascending teams, uh, potentially even the Charters, who we talked about a lot on Tuesday as being a great fit for someone like a Tom Brady, uh, perhaps in the interim between uh, when we're recording and when we release, we'll see how that turns out. But there are some scenarios in which his value would be very significant very quickly after the NFL draft if things fall uh, the way that it looks like they could for him. Yeah, and then when we look at the tight end premium, I'm going to jump in. We'll look again at that kind of. Uh, let's let's jump in and look at the third round range because it's obviously going to switch things up a little bit. But the trio two, um, you have Cole Kemet, Adam Trauman, Chase Claypool, and Isaiah Hodgins. Um, when we look through it, you know, obviously tight end premium similar to the superflex. You're going to push it up if you're in a tight end premium that is a superflex league. Makes it even more interesting to see, and that's why it's always so important. Uh, and I know the road of his listeners out there will know exactly the formats and the the scoring settings in that in your league. But that's why it's just so important. Uh, you know, every year we have leagues like the the got fishbowl where people might misinterpret the, the scoring settings that can be easy done with uh, all the different scoring settings that scott might throw in there but it is, it is vitally important but when you get to you get to those players and seeing a, a tight end premium for example sean how much do you increase the value off those tight ends and, and push them up your boards have you a, a, a set strategy in terms of how you do that or is it just a case-by-case basis based on the the player uh, and at, at the tight end position going to be a little bit of case-by-case basis but certainly in those leagues you do want to have one of the stars and then a very uh, viable option in reserve you do need to score points there and if you're in a 10 starting spot league to where you have a lot of flexibility at the flex then stockpiling the top tight ends not only gives you the points from those guys but it also creates a little bit more scarcity among other teams increases the potential trade value but also just uh, knocks down what they're going to score at tight end so i do think attacking the tight end position in tight end premium is a way to go that doesn't mean that you're going to reach on a guy who's less of a prospect but Komet is the person that I went with here, and I think that he is an interesting guy. He is not someone who is doing particularly well in our road of his rankings, in our road of his mocks, and it'll be interesting to see. I was looking at his value in the FFPC best ball leagues that are drafting right now, uh, simply because even for a rookie, you know, you're not expecting to get a ton of points right away from the rookies. But their format is one where you have the tight end premium. People score a little bit more points. He is going among the top uh, rookie tight ends in that format. And uh, an interesting prospect, right? Because he gains fewer than 700 yards at Notre Dame. Almost all of that, though, came in his junior season where he had a 24% market share, which is definitely getting up there for a tight end he's going into the nfl as a young player he's going in as a young as an early declare he's going in with a rumored high draft position and when we put all of that information in for him or put him in with a mid-second round draft pick then the names that pop out are kyle rudolph mark andrews travis kelsey if you're looking at those guys as his comps then i think to get him in the middle of round seven in a tight end premium league is certainly the way I would go. Now, we're still in a position here, especially when you look at his production background, where there might be more room for his 
eventual draft position to float up or down uh, just based on team needs. I don't think he's a guy who's locked in as a first round pick. He does show up there in some mocks. Uh, I don't know that he's a guy who's even locked in as a second round pick, but because of the wide range of potential values there, I can understand why there's a little bit of skepticism about him in fantasy. Uh, you know, some other actual reality drafts I've done, he's also fallen really to the bottom of this group of tight ends with the two Bryants, uh, with the the small school star you talked about there in Troutman with Albert O, the combine superstar. And so uh, in a tight end premium league here, Colin, I'd throw it back to you. Do you like to go for the tight ends? And do you have any strong opinions right now at the tight end position for these rookies? When it comes to the rookies, it's a case where I don't usually have a strong opinion. I've mentioned on the show uh, a good few times. I usually do. It's usually year three, year four, and I know uh, Blair's done some work to show that that might not always be the best strategy. But that that is where I tend to lean. Um, and we're going to talk about one of the guys who's been my kind of favorite projections for that over the last couple of years in just a moment. But um, I, I have the same view as you, almost not not to the same extent as a the, the superflex and the way you balance a quarterback, but probably kind of a, a tight and a half to a time and a quarter the difference rather than you know the, the value of how it's uh, boosted up in Superflex um, but when it comes to tight ends I'll willfully admit that it's usually um, a position that I let slide by um, and, and target some of those other positions um, so in terms of the rookie class there's there's not there's there's not a huge emphasis for me on it now, a way of bypassing that question is to bounce on to the one of the people we didn't mention in the free agency conversation we had earlier in the week and that's to mention austin hooper and he's somebody who over his uh kind of second to third year in the nfl is somebody who i acquired a lot of shares off in dynasty um he's somebody i've always seen as having that kind of positive trajectory now based as well on the offense that he was in uh, with the falcons now he's obviously moved to the cleveland browns over the last couple of days in, in free agency and uh, there, there's a great piece up on the site um you know looking at is it going to cause headaches for fantasy owners? And I, I tend to think that way. Now, obviously, there's the situation that he was dealing with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, and then Devontae Freeman was the running back when he was in Atlanta. Um, but I, I think he was in a much better situation in Atlanta than he's going to be in Cleveland, uh, based on the quarterback play and based on the situation just in general. Um, do you think that Hooper has had a gain in value over the last week, or do you think he's he's lost value? Personally, if I could have picked one of those positions for him to be sitting in, uh, I would have been keeping him in Atlanta. But obviously, now he is a Cleveland Brown. I would agree with you there. I think that it would have been exciting for his owners to see him get a chance to really build on that big 2019 breakout. It may have been difficult to maintain that level even in Atlanta. One of the things we talk about in the article there is you had 683 pass attempts from the Falcons, 537 from the Browns. Obviously, Baker Mayfield struggled. But just when you're trying to figure out where the targets are going to come from, it's difficult to see as he moves here. Julio Jones at 26% target share. I mean, he scored so many points, you would think that his share was even larger than that. But that kind of goes back to how many passes the Falcons actually threw. Ridley there at 18%, Hooper at 19%, Freeman at 12%. That's a, a different breakdown than what we get with the Browns, where you have Landry and Beckham both in that 27, 26% range. And then Kareem Hunt, after he became eligible, actually siphoned off 18% of the targets there as well. So we're seeing a lot of targets already spoken for. The tight end that he is replacing, Demetrius Harris, led the Browns 
uh, last season, they didn't really target the tight end. And so in order for Hooper to get in there and get anywhere near the target share, that's going to have to come from some other players who are pretty good. And then even if he can take the target share, you're looking at a total number of passes that were thrown in Atlanta that simply will not happen uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So I think this is is frustrating. I expect him to still be a very good player. I wouldn't be selling him uh, unless you get a great deal for him. If there are people out there who feel like this moves up his value, then I could certainly see that. On the other hand, you know there are a few rumors always floating around about Beckham being traded again. Certainly Jarvis Landry is having uh, the hip recovery. And so it could be a situation where by the time the season starts, Hooper is actually uh, the centerpiece of the offense. As a Hooper guy, is that a scenario that you would uh, give a very high percent to? Is that one that you're going to be banking on when you look at the trades that that might come into your inbox here, the trade offers for him over the next couple of weeks? I, I wouldn't like anytime there's players obviously been traded we've seen DeAndre Hopkins earlier in the week that wasn't something any of us would have thought was going to happen um Beckham's trade could happen but it wouldn't be something I'd be banking on having those players there I would be more anticipating that it's going to be the situation that it is now at the moment um unless things obviously change over the next um, couple of weeks the one concern I would have is that you know the lowest targets per game he had at any point uh last season he had week, in week seven he had five targets outside of that you know it was kind of averaging um you know in between kind of seven to nine targets per game uh, so it was a very consistent uh, performance he had and he had very similar the year before so he said two back-to-back very consistent years i don't know if the consistency will be there this year it was something that i thought that he would probably have a, a bigger market than he had especially then when uh hunter henry got franchise tagged because I thought there'd be more people looking, like there was reports of the Packers probably possibly looking at him. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Graham has gone to the, the Chicago Bears. He signed a two-year, $18 million contract, which I don't think anyone really thinks is, you know, he's worth $9 million a year. But if you look at the situation, uh, Hooper signed a four-year deal. Um, but it's basically like if you extrapolate out the two-year deal being a nine-year, uh, $9 million per year contract, you know he's got eight million more over four years than Jimmy Graham is getting uh, when you stretch it out. So I just think that it's a situation where it's, it's it is a very solid deal. But I thought he was going to get more. I thought he would have probably went to um, an offense that probably were going to make a run at him. But he is there now. Obviously, with the Cleveland Browns, we'll see what happens. He's still you know he's still only twenty five or twenty six during the season. He's still on a trajectory where he could be a top five tight end this season. So there's a lot of positivity there. Um, but we'll have to. I wouldn't be holding out Sean with confidence that there will be a trade done. Um, it's, it's something that obviously we, we've seen two big wide receivers been traded this week in Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, it's going to be quite a, a turn in the, the NFL if we if we see uh, many more of those kind of top projected wide receivers get moved over the next uh, couple of weeks and months. The other thing, obviously, to look at is the value of what he's left behind. I mentioned Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I think it has to be seen as a, a boost to Calvin Ridley's value, depending on what the, the Falcons do at the tight end position. Um, I think it's going to give a boost to what he can do um, in, in his third year in the league. Obviously, two two big years so far for him in terms of being efficient, um, and, and I think it's going to be uh, very interesting. Do you think this boosts up Ridley's value? I know we've both been big fans, and um, for the listeners, uh, Samuel Wallace is a, a very interesting piece up on the site looking at how it affects uh, you know Calvin Ridley and how high we should be in terms of the value that we place on Ridley. So I know me and you're probably as high as anyone, Sean, on, on Ridley, but what's your thoughts after the trade happened or after the, the move, sorry, for Hooper? 
Definitely. Sam's piece is awesome here. And it talks a lot about what he has accomplished the first two years, which is a lot more than people think because he plays in Julio Jones shadow. And because there were times last season where his snap count or his snap percentage was below certainly what his owners were wanting and and below what seemed to make the most sense for the team, uh, even losing some, some snaps and some targets to Mohamed Sanu, then, you know, there's this idea that he can't be the number one or, or isn't a number one, is more of a, a 1B or even a wide receiver two on his team that once Jones departs, uh, if he does, I mean, Jones is playing so well at this point, if you are an elite wide receiver who manages to not sustain any type of serious injury, then, you know, Jones could play for a long enough period of time to completely wipe out any of those kinds of questions or concerns. But even playing in Jones' shadow, Ridley is scoring a ton of points. He's very efficient. These are actually positive signs, not negatives going forward. And Blair has a lot of great information and evidence for that in the wrong read. One of the things that is cool here in the context of Austin Hooper moving on is that Sam points out that Ridley's splits in the three games where Hooper didn't play last year uh, were fantastic. Averaged over 22 points a game, which was far higher than the uh, 12.7 when Hooper was in the offense. So the Falcons, they already made the move. They acquired, acquired Hayden Hurst. I think that's a good move for Hurst. If you've been stashing him in a really deep league, uh, you've got to be excited. At the same time, he's not a guy who is likely to come in. It's certainly always possible, but not likely to come in and take that big uh, receiving share from the tight end position. So if there were a season where Ridley was going to make a jump and really be the co-number one with Jones, certainly if the Falcons maintain those big-time numbers in the passing game, obviously they've released Devontae Freeman, so they're going to be starting over a little bit at running back. Uh, I think based on their cap situation, likely adding a one of the more intriguing players in the rookie draft and so if they have a rookie there, even if he's a big-time player, uh, we don't necessarily see the rookies catch as many passes in that first year as they might catch later, especially if they're being relied upon to be the starter. Certainly if they're being relied upon uh, as that third down back, it's a little bit different story. We might not see the Falcons pass uh, percentage to the running back position increase. We're going to see it decline at tight end. And so I think there's a real buying opportunity here for Ridley. And certainly Jones, because of his age and because of uh, the continued sort of lack of that 15 or 20 touchdown season that would seem like it would fit for him. You know, he's someone that you often can acquire in dynasty. And certainly, uh, even though we talk every week on the show about how you want to own the players and then trade them again before their value decreases, uh, if you have some excess on your team, if you have some guys you don't need, if you've built so much depth that you have players who have a lot of trade value, but they're in the 15, 16, 17, 18 spot, uh, in your roster then certainly going after someone like a julio jones to really boost your top end numbers for a couple of seasons i think is a, is a potentially interesting move yeah absolutely um and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um as we get ready for the the season obviously we'll be keeping the show going here over the the foreseeable months as we we get ready for the season to try and give you same as the rest of the road of israel really give you that entertainment to kind of take your mind off the the stuff that's going on in the rest of the world for that short period of time so with that that's going to do it for today's show we'll be back next week 
with another podcast looking at all the stuff going on around the NFL. Um, and my name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Sean, as I mentioned, and every single show I finish it off always has fantastic work up on the roadofis.com site. Make sure you're reading all of it if you want to be ready for your 2020 leagues. Make sure that you can get success in those. And with that, until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.